Today's episode is infinitely cooler, if you know what I mean. We've got Mark King from Infinite Decks. You're going to learn a few things you've always wanted to know and a couple that you didn't. Let's do this. Welcome back, all my favorite people, to the sixth episode of the Ultimate Deck Podcast. We have a great one for you here today that I'm super excited about. But before we get to telling you what that's all about, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a show that we also have happening now on YouTube and Facebook. The podcast has been a great success for us so far. Now, if you're interested in tuning into a different medium, you can find The Ultimate Deck Show on YouTube. So please go check that out, subscribe. We're gonna attempt to do, maybe not quite weekly on that one, but little twist on the decking industry and show you all this great information that we have. So check that out, go to YouTube, search for The Ultimate Deck Show, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. Now, next up on this podcast, we have somebody I've been looking forward to talking to since we started this podcast, and it's none other than Mark King from Infinite Decks. For those of you who don't know Infinite Decks, I really need to encourage everybody who's listening to this to get on Instagram because a lot of these people that we talk to, these stories that we're going to talk about, or originating from content on Instagram. Mark King and Infinite Dex team is on Instagram. You can follow them at the username Infinite Dex, and you will see some of the most amazing amazing projects uh, that are out there on their account. They are a leading edge deck builder out of Minnesota that has been doing some great, great work for years, and they've got a really great crew. They've got really great things going on there, some wicked projects. It's really a great account to follow. You need to get on there and follow these guys. I'm so excited to bring this interview to you guys. So without further ado, let's get a listen on this. Welcome Mark King from Infinite Decks to the Ultimate Deck Podcast. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How about you, Shane? I'm doing really well, man. I've, I've been uh, waiting to get you on the show since like day one, but I figured I better get some experience under my own belt before I asked one of the big IG celebrities onto the show. So, <laughs> is, even though we've only been recording for about five weeks, this has been a long time coming. So... I've kind of given you a bit of a heads up as to how this show is going to go. And I think you've done, I don't know if you've done as much prep as Dustin from Aztec did. He sent me a picture after the show of a whiteboard that had like three or four speaking topics to every question I asked him. He was ridiculously prepared. So I just, I'm just throwing it out there to make you a little bit nervous. (laughs) Well, that worked. Uh, Yeah. I would have liked to got that heads up earlier. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he was doing that. So maybe I, I should post that picture that he sent me. Enough about Dustin. He had his time in the spotlight. Let's learn a little bit about Mark from Infinite Deck. So tell us a little bit about yourself personally, where you're from, how the family life is going, what you do in your average average day. Well, uh, born in Houston, Texas, uh, moved up here right around middle school age to Rosemont, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, never been a big fan of uh, the classroom type thing so I just knew that the trades were for me from the very beginning and I've basically been in it since uh, high school and uh, I don't regret a day of it. It's definitely a passion of mine to be out in the field trading things with my hands and uh, you know trying to separate myself from others 
Um, family life is fantastic. Kids are growing way too quick. Uh, kids are in sports. My daughter's got her uh, season pass for Buck Hill. So that's the local uh, ski place around here. And she's shredding it nice. a couple times a week. Uh, the boy's in basketball and he's loving it. So yeah, I definitely staying busy with the family and trying to keep the business running. Awesome, man. Especially around this time of year, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Christmas was pretty busy with family and uh, kids were extremely spoiled, which is fun to watch, but definitely unnecessary. Awesome. How old are your kids? Uh, my daughter is almost 12. She'll be 12 in about a week. And my son just turned seven. Awesome. So that's a good time. That makes Christmas all the more fun when they're about that age, hey? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. So you sound like you maybe jumped into the trades right out of high school then, is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, actually, uh, during my junior year, I was in what they call the work program. So basically, I got to go to school for a couple periods of class, and then I got out uh, about midday and got to go work and get experience in the field. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. yeah, much more valuable for this type of work than sitting in a classroom for sure. So Infinite, right. Infinite Dex is your company now. How long has that been around and how did that happen? I'm, I'm sure you didn't jump right into that right out of school. There was probably some experience you had elsewhere. How did you end up starting Infinite Dex? Yeah, so uh, basically kind of framing and trim was kind of my background from the beginning. Um, Dex have always uh, definitely inspired me and I wanted to be part of that trade in particular. I just like that it's more than just framing or just trim or just one specific trade. I mean, there's a lot going on with Dex. I like uh, the size of the projects. You're not on them too long and you're not on multiple a day. Um, it's just always uh, really intrigued me. Is that, uh, Dex. Oh, go ahead. Is that how you guys kind of handle things? One project at a time? You never have more than one going at once? Yeah, I mean, typically now that, uh, you know, now the one crew, um, we're pretty solid big crew. So as we're kind of wrapping one project up, we'll kind of split up and have a couple guys go start and prep the next ones. And so we kind of keep the ball rolling, um, keeping everybody busy. But, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So you, as far as I can tell, just from watching your Instagram stories and from the guys I've met from your crew, you're basically a one crew operation and you're there all the time, right? You're on the tools, you're doing the, you're doing the installs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So is that, is that intentional that you want to just have one crew and that you need to be there? Or is that more of a, just, there's not enough work to justify bringing on multiple crews? Oh, there's, I mean, there's definitely plenty of opportunity for more work. I just, uh, I've gotten to the point. So basically kind of jumping back, uh, I, I created infinite decks back in 2013. It was kind of rolling off another company that I was involved with. And, uh, um, so yeah, we got into it. I hit the ground running and everything's been great since then. Um, but yeah, in the past, I've ran a couple crews and I just, I'm very particular about the product I'm putting out. It's got my name on it. Uh, I'm the one who has to back it. And I'm just, uh, I, I guess I'm almost anal OCD almost. Um, I just am very particular. Uh, so that's why I've gotten down to one crew. Um, I basically started my own thing just because I am passionate about the trade itself and I like the building part, um, doing my own thing. I've definitely gotten to love and do the uh, design and sales part too. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, being able to design and create your own thing and then be able to put it together with my hands. It's just, uh, I, I would never turn that away. Um, 
it's funny uh last year there's a huge lottery going on and one of my guys was like if you won what would you do and i was like still build decks i just decks. wouldn't <laughs> be a little bit more picky about it I, I honestly it's what i would do in my free time i just really enjoy doing new things and seeing how i'm just trying to keep press on and see what i could do better the next time so awesome man i think that's a pretty common thread with a lot of uh not just deck builders but a lot of trades guys is that they just they it's tough to let go of the baby you built and the reputation that you've built it's tough to just put that into somebody else's hands and trust that they're going to maintain the expectation and the level of quality that you've built so i i felt that same way i always had a hard time not being there on site so i think that's i think that's a common thread for a lot of guys yeah now you guys don't just build your average little square deck so you guys for anybody who hasn't followed you on instagram you guys build some of the nicest stuff out there not just in minnesota but in the world you guys are doing some stuff that a lot of people have, you know only dream of doing so how did you get into doing that what got you into the i guess first of all you guys have become the kings of curved deck board bending right like every deck you guys build has a has a circle or some sort of curved wicked thing happening on it right so how did you get into that what inspired you to get into curving deck boards what equipment do you use how did that come about okay so yeah basically i mean i've actually been using the heat con system bending board since before i created infinite decks um i was part of another company around here locally we were just really pressing the edge and just kind of creating a market to be able to sell that kind of a project typically up until that it was just a lot of your basic box decks you know um you know great quality materials decking railing and stuff but nothing was ever just different or what i would consider custom um more than just changing colors of balusters and things like that um so yeah i just uh, like i said i'm always trying to do just beyond the ordinary type building so i mean yeah i've been bending with hecon since probably about oh nine um definitely uh burned a few thousand dollars worth away um at least <laughs> uh, in the learning curve but it, I, in, in the end it was worth it and that's why we do what we're doing now it's just uh it, it's just it's fun it's nice to go to a job site i mean and do stuff that other people typically aren't doing or aren't really aware of that can be possibly done um so yeah i mean uh that's why we're doing a lot of the curve stuff uh that's why the customers that we get come to us they're looking to do more than just your basic square decks and things like that we got a couple on the board coming up that are really exciting and uh the customer in particular you know we walk in his backyard and it's uh alleyway of square decks and i'm like all right well what are you guys interested in and she's like well we want something different than what everybody else has here and i was just thrilled i love when i get to hear that i love when i get uh free reign on designing and kind of putting something together and then when i bring it to the table and they're as excited about it as i am it's just it's just such a great feeling so it's just all the excitement and uh you know keeping myself and the guys on our toes just doing new things it's what keeps everybody happy and coming to work the next day i think those are the dream jobs right the ones where you show up and the customer's like i don't know exactly what i want i just know i have this budget and i know who you are and i want you to do something that would make you happy <laughs> like just give me something right. that says infinite decks on it right? so that's awesome <laughs> i've noticed on yeah i've noticed on the last couple of your jobs that you've got 
perfect circles built into the, you've done quite a few decks where there's perfect circles as opposed to just like a, a wave or a curve somewhere. Is that intentional? Is that kind of like, is that the infinite decks trademark to have a perfect circle in a deck or is that just how things worked out on these last few designs? Yeah, I think it's just kind of how it's worked out on the last few designs. I really like to do the full circle inlay. I think it, uh, you know, it kind of adds the touch rather than just a curved rim or something. Yeah, um, it kind of helps break up the decking. A lot of times, that's kind of what I've mastered instead of just doing a, uh, you know, a straight divider board or something. But to be able to break up the decking and change the angles of the decking, I, I think it just adds a little bit of a flair to the whole design. Right. Yeah, it's it's certain it sets you apart for one, and it gives. A, a use of the space and a creativity that people didn't know that you could do until the last few years, right? I mean, these heat con kits have been out for a while and you yourself have used them as, as long as anybody, but people still don't grasp that their deck doesn't necessarily have to just be a square box. So it's, it's neat to be able to show right. them that there's, because sometimes it works into the landscape or the house or whatever, right? Sometimes the landscape itself has some curvature to it or a creek that kind of flows or something and, and rounded corners and stuff just makes more sense than a square deck. So mm-hmm. work from that for, you know, for that reason alone. Um, now you've, I'm, I assume you have a lot of experience bending all sorts of materials, but do you have a preference between, and I, th- this is a bit of a leading question cause I, I know what's I've, work the materials a lot too to know, but I'm just curious on your thoughts. Do you prefer composite versus PVC? Are there certain brands you like to work with that you find curve easier or that you just like to install? Uh, you don't have to burn any bridges here if you don't want to mention names, but I'm just kind of curious what, yeah. what your position is on the material side of things. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, for no particular reason other than I've just worked with it for a long time. I mean, obviously I've been building decks for a long time since before the PVC market was even available. So TimberTech has always been one of my brands that I've just always been my go-to. They've always had just a great company that backed them. It was a great product. And they were always kind of on the leading edge of colors and profiles and things like that. Um, as PVCs became popular back in, at least in this area, it was probably around 07 is kind of when it hit our market. And it was just... Uh, it was a game changer in my eyes because that's when Cortex was available and to be able to screw and plug. I mean, that was just such a cool idea and such a great fastening option for especially decks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, if I'm definitely a PVC guy, I'm, uh, I'm definitely a little vocal about that too. In my opinion, composites are great. Um, there's definitely a lot of good options and color options by going composite. I just, to me, I feel like composites are almost a thing of the past. I've moved on and PVC is like new age as far as I'm considered, considering since the lifespan of the decks I've built. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's just, you know, like in your one podcast, I mean, PVCs are easier to bend and that's very true. I mean, they heat up quicker, they bend better and tighter and uh, it's just an easier process. So that's kind of why I stick to the PVCs and um, locally, we don't have many PVC options. Um, so Azex just been my go-to for a long time. It's a great board. They, uh, they're always around to back it and it's just real easy to bend. I can do what I want with it. Um, the vintage line is definitely my favorite with the grain pattern and the colors. And for me, it just seems that it, uh, heats up and bends a little bit better and, that's kind of my go-to. So it's usually the first colors I show when I'm meeting with a customer. Yeah. That vintage line is some of the prettiest stuff in, 
out there, regardless of composite or PVC. Sorry, I, I said I was going to make a concerted effort to say composite for you. <laughs> no, podcast. I thought you were going to say composite. <laughs> and I, I forgot about that until right now. So, so, so composite versus PVC. Uh, yeah, that vintage line is gorgeous, right? Like that fine hairline ground is it green. It's some of the most realistic looking stuff as well. If you hold, you know, the cypress or mahogany board up against an actual piece of oiled EPA or, you know, Batu or whatever you name your hardwood, it, it's the most realistic looking stuff out there too. It's just beautiful. So do you ever run into, uh, I was going to say an issue, but not an issue, but do you run into a customer who's already been out there, done their shopping themselves? They come back to you, they say, this is the color of board I want to use. And it's a composite, a composite that you, and they're, and they're saying, I want to do some curves. Do you talk them out of that? Do you say, I don't know that that's the best decision for what you want to do, or do you kind of, will you work with whatever they want to work with? No, I definitely, uh, I pride myself. So like the sales part, I don't really even consider myself a salesman. I just, I go in, I prefer to design and then kind of explain myself and my background and my knowledge in the field. So I've, one of some of our best customers have come to me, well, we want this product with this rail and this, that, and the other. And it's just like, okay, well, can I show you that you have other options? And I've just completely turned them inside out. They got Azek decking, curves to match, uh, some curved patio that they had. We actually matched the curved patio that was existing and they turned out to be great customers. And it, it was funny because when I first talked to them, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be our customer. This guy's kind of, uh, pretty confident in what he wants and it's not what I want to offer or really work with in general. But uh, no, we ended up having a couple of good conversations and they turned out to be some of our best customers and one of our coolest projects. So uh, no, I, I, I tend to, since we are one crew, I'm not looking to just build anything and everything. I, I want to build what we want to build and what makes the customer happy. I want it to be one, just, Big happy thing. I'm typically our customers become our friends. I mean, you know, it's just I want to show them what works best in my experience. So yeah. show me, you know, aluminum decking and things like that. A lot of those fads have come and gone. I know there's good products out there. It's just, yeah. I mean, Infinite Decks kind of has their style, and it's typically a PVC decking with aluminum rail, some accent posts, curves, things like that some detailed trim and that kind of a thing. So, I mean, typically it's gotten to the point where customers come to me and that's what they kind of had in mind, or at least if they didn't, they're open to the idea and then they're typically impressed by it and we move forward from there. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not the kind of guy that comes in with every color of every product and just, all right, what do you guys want? You know, I, I, I I don't push. I just kind of direct, you know, definitely, especially when it comes to colors that gets kind of touchy. So, you know, I kind of stay out of it until they ask my opinion and then I kind of guide them in what I would think works. And typically it's end up, ends up being what they go with. I just, uh, I'm not out here to try and sell. I just want to offer a good product and back it really. So, right. You mentioned that, in that one instance, you did, you were starting to think like, I don't know if this customer is our customer. Have you ever turned somebody away because they wouldn't work with the materials that you wanted to use? Uh, I mean, not really. I basically, I kind of clear that from the very beginning and 
just tell them what we're willing to work with. Um, being, like I said, we're one crew, I'm, I, you know, I'm not looking to work with a new product that someone's bringing to the table that their buddy put together or something. It's, you know, I typically there has been a couple customers that, you know, throw out a few red flags and it's just, it's better for everybody that, you know, they just find a different contractor and it's probably worked out for the best for all parties. Um, it's, it's rare though. Typically we get along and can work with all contractors and customers. Um, but yeah, we, we typically stay to our lane and what we like to and how we build things. Cool. So yeah, I think a lot of guys can probably learn a lot from what you're saying right now. The whole like be selective in what jobs you take on because you need to be happy with what you're doing. That's I think that's super important. And I know it scares some people, especially when they're kind of early on in their company and they're just thinking that they have to take every job that comes their way. But Mm -hmm. the most empowering and the most uh, pleasing feeling in the world is the ability to say no. (laughs) <laughs> when you get to the point where you can start saying no to certain things and be like, no, no, this is how I'm going to do this. This is how we operate. You're going to be so much happier with your business and you're going to end up make more, making more money too. So right. there's no, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying no to a customer. You're, you know, it, it needs to be a fit for both of you. So I think that's, that's something that should be. Yeah, I completely agree. And typically when you kind of, I mean, when you tell a customer, no, if it's not your customer, then you kind of part ways, but then there's others that just turn and they're like, well, wait, why? And yeah. then you end up creating a great relationship and possibly a great project out of it. So it's just, uh, it could go both ways. I would definitely say, you know, for the younger guys out there, you know, stick to your guns, stick to what you want to do for sure. Because building something that's just for a paycheck that gets old. For sure. I've got, uh, I didn't tell you this, but I decided to start up a live Instagram uh, during this here. And they're not going to hear your side of the conversation because that's a bit of a teaser. I want them to tune into the podcast. They're only hearing me, which is probably not very exciting. They're hearing the questions, but not the answers. But I opened it up and said, hey, if you guys have any questions that you want to ask Mark, let me know. And there is one question that came in here. So I'm going to step in and ask this now. And it's from Simcoe Decks. And he says, since we're on the topic of curving decks, what railing options do you like to use for curved decks? You mentioned aluminum. Is there specific brands or where do you guys go? Yeah, so uh, I, I'd say we're lucky enough in this area. We got a Railcraft distributor. So Railcraft is an aluminum line that's out of Canada, um, but they offer just a couple handfuls of top rail profiles. A lot of custom options between balusters and collars on balusters, different size posts, things like that. Well, like I said, I mean, I've been bending deck boards since about '09, and we've been using uh, Railcraft at the same time. And they have been just so great to work with as far as keeping our uh, radii correct and, you know, our angles. So they're actually custom parts. They're not just hinged parts to make work on, you know, a majority of their products. So all of our railing is typically Railcraft unless it's our signature accent post, which we create ourselves. Um... Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, obviously there's, you know, Dr. Dex out there bending the radiance rail, I think for curve rail, that's a good option if you're willing to get into that. Um, in my experience, the product itself and the plus your time to bend it kind of gets a little spendy. So that's where the aluminum rail craft just comes in so nice. It's an efficient price and it's very efficient to put up. The, the rail is consistent. It's, it comes out, like I said, all of our curves just match our decks perfect. And uh, we've been working with them for a long time. Um, 
other than that, you know, I know Westray out there, they've been doing some bends and things like that. Um, you know, there's not a lot of options out there for curve railing, but uh, definitely, you know, wrought iron was always an option for us in the beginning because they're kind of a, you know, efficient price and they do all the measuring and installs and that's a good option to actually have curved rail. Other than that, you know, a lot of people are doing, you know, just straight sections and that could look good too. It just depends on uh, what you're after. Yeah. I, it's kind of, I don't know if aluminum is a big in the States as it is up in Canada. You mentioned you use Railcraft, which is a Canadian company. And a lot of them are like the Regal Ideas is also a Canadian company and Century mm-hmm. and Excel. And I, I don't know, there's a million and one, it seems that are manufactured in Canada. I think it's just, I don't know what the reason is, but up in Canada, composite rail is very, you don't find it very often. Like Trex has some distribution up here. You can get some AZEC and Fibron stuff as well, but it's very few and far between that you see that stuff actually installed on a deck. It is 99% aluminum rail up in Canada for whatever reason. So I I don't know if that, I don't know what came first, the demand for aluminum rail and then the manufacturers showed up or why there's that difference between the States and and, uh, Canada, but there seems to be. No, I hear what you're saying. In Minnesota, it's pretty much the same way. I mean, we're practically, you know, the U.S. Canada over here with the weather and stuff. uh, No, I mean, you don't really see much composite rail anymore. It was big back when, you know, composite was growing as a product, um, you know, and that was just one of your only low maintenance options. But then, uh, I don't know, it seemed like back in, you know, about 08, 09, I mean, aluminum kind of hit the ground and it, I mean, you go around here and that's what new home builders are putting on their builder decks. I mean, if, if it's not a wood deck with wood rail, typically it's a composite deck or a composite. Deck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our, yeah, our audience for this podcast on here. Is, 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 skews heavily on American. So saying composites probably more, <laughs> more what we should be using because the audience is 90% American, but anyway, <laughs> Uh, okay. So that's, that's, yeah, I think the closer the border you are, the transition is definitely a gradient, right? It's not like it hits the border and things change and flip immediately. It seems like the more South you get, the more aluminum seems to disappear and the composite rails, composite rails start to show up a bit more. But I remember a, a few yeah. years ago when I first met the boys from Morris decks at deck expo, this is probably three years ago, I think two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were kind of chatting with them about like, what are you looking for here? And they they were mentioning that they were looking for some aluminum rail options because they didn't really have any around their area. It was pretty much, they almost installed exclusively Trex composite rail and they were looking for some aluminum options and they were kind of like, what do we look for? Like what brands are even out there? And I was like, are you serious? Like, that's all we have. (laughs) We're here looking to see what there is for composite rail. So (laughs) it was was a bit of a contrast for sure. Uh, you mentioned earlier before there's a lot of work in your area. There's plenty of work to be had. How's the competitive landscape in your market? I know just from following Instagram, there seems to be these hotbeds of quality deck builders. And that seems to, you know, there's some guys out in the Jersey area. There seems to be a lot of guys out that way. There seems to be, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's the Canadian boys, which are a little bit more spread out, but it, there seems to be a bit of a hotbed in the Minnesota area as well. Is that something, am I right with that? I totally agree. I, it's it's kind of cool out here being in the trades for so long. I mean, we're all like friends and brothers out here. It's, uh, I mean, there's a ton of companies that aren't on social media. They're really do much on it that are just great builders. And 
you know there's just so much work out here it, it doesn't even really phase us and so like typically the past couple of years we've gotten into kind of trading leads you know some i don't really get into the redex and things like that but there's a handful of companies out here that love those so i just we kind of trade the leads you know i'll give them those and not everybody wants the custom decks like i want you know so Kind of just, it, we all help each other, but no, Minnesota has a great deck market out here. There's a big handful of just great deck builders out here. Um, it's, I couldn't imagine being in a better deck market, to be honest. It's just uh, the deck industry is growing so big out here. I mean, there's new companies popping up every year. It's crazy. Uh, I remember there used to be a small handful of just known good builders, and now it's just literally just vined out and now there's just so many I, I don't even know them all anymore it's it's crazy it's funny that those hotbeds are popping up in colder climate not colder climates but you like you've got a winter right it's not like arizona or california where you don't really have much of a winter but it's funny that you know like a calgary canada or saskatchewan here or minnesota where we all have pretty you know cold winters do you ever get the question from people like why are people like you tell somebody oh i'm doing a deck that costs 100 grand do people ever ask you like why would anybody spend 100 grand in a backyard when they can only use it for six months out of the year you know that is funny that we get that question from time to time but uh in this area people enjoy their time outside more so when it is nice they are outside they're not you know inside doing other things i mean as soon as it's nice out i mean it's busy out it's winter out and there's people out walking the streets right now Uh, we got a park at the end of our street there's kids out ice skating and stuff i think people in minnesota just embrace the weather more here i mean that you know you gotta get out and do something so um no we definitely built some monster decks that had decent price tags on them and they all had their own reasons on why they wanted to go as big or do as much as they wanted to and to each their own i mean i don't know you know eventually i plan on doing a hopefully a huge deck like that if i could ever afford it one day that's right yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head it's like when you only got whatever a six month summer or nine months out of the year that it's not you know too cold to be on your deck you want to enjoy that time like make Mm -hmm. the most of it while you have it right get out there on the lake and get out and barbecue and spend some time with the family in the backyard and like i think our markets are extremely similar the same can be said here you like just because it's cold out doesn't mean people you know, hamper up and stay inside. There's lots of winter activities. I think I was just posting a little bit about that um, job that we were working on out at Round Lake, which is a couple hours away from where we are, but it's in the middle of winter. And I was, even I was kind of like, holy smokes, look at all the activity that's happening out on the frozen lake here. Like even I don't think to go and do this stuff, but there's like 30 ice fishing shacks and there's people that have cleared rinks off. And it's like, we don't just turn into hermits. We, (laughs) we just put on a few extra layers and go enjoy the outdoors just like you would anytime anywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely plenty of people out here that embrace the winter. I mean, we got a project coming up where we had to go kind of lay out the deck because he had to set up his yearly ice rink in his backyard. That's just the hit for the neighborhood. So, no, I mean, people just embrace the weather around here. It's great and it's fun to see. I mean, the ice fishing, snowmobiling, skiing, snowboarding, there's just tons to do. Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a guy I have on, as a friend on Facebook who I don't think he's from... Uh, Regina, which is where we are. He's a, he's a half hour away or so, but he builds like a ridiculous rink in his backyard. And it's like, he puts up like 
like hockey rink boards and lights and like it's crazy he paints the lines into the ice he has like actual real goalie nets and (laughs) it's like it's all out and the community's kids like are like this dude's backyard is better than any public skating place that i can go to so (laughs) Uh, yeah i believe it i just saw aztec dustin uh joined in here now he's going to take the other angle from this and listen to the podcast from afar instead of being on it so dustin if you have any questions now that you've been through this and you're a vet for mark from infinite texas who we've got on today you just type them into the live chat and i'll ask them um how do you find your work is it mostly word of mouth or do you do any sorts of marketing that you find work best for you that uh give a good roi yeah, I mean, typically, you know, I, I don't invest much into marketing. Um, basically, you know, from the very beginning, I set up a page on all social medias, hows, all that kind of stuff. Um, hows can tend to produce some decent leads. The website, our website produces the most. Um, yeah, and word of mouth is, I mean, <laughs> This last year is one of the craziest where I've turned out more work than I ever have in my life just because we went down to just the one crew and um, we just couldn't take on too much more work. And uh, we were booked out quick. Um, but yeah, you know, word of mouth is kind of tricky with us because we'll build these expensive custom decks and then, you know, friends and family will see it. And then they'll reach out, but they don't want to do as much. And then it kind of ties right. back into like what Infinite Decks wants to build. And, you know, just because we can build a great square deck doesn't mean we want to. So, unfortunately, we kind of turned those over to, like I was saying earlier, just some of our other friends in the industry that I like can vouch for and know that they'll do a fantastic job on a more of a, ba- a basic design that you can kind of get in and out on. And, uh, no, I mean, we've actually turned on a lot of referrals in the past year or two just because of that. So, um, no, referrals are great. I'd much rather be turning work down than scratching and clawing or begging for it. So that's definitely a good problem to have. I'm not complaining by any means, but, uh, no, I mean, referrals are great and, you know, it's just sometimes they work great and sometimes they don't. Actually, one of the projects I was talking about earlier where we walked in the backyard and I was like, well, what'd you guys have in mind? And she's like something other than a square deck, like everybody else. That was actually a referral from a project we did almost five years ago. So, wow. I mean, just keep coming. It's just uh, doing a good job and keeping customers happy is an investment in your future, I feel. Um, one of our projects coming up later or earlier this spring is a project I met with three years ago. <laughs> and finally, the guy, you know, he's kind of waited out because they kind of got sick or shocked from the beginning and he's ready. So it's just, um, you know, I just feel like taking time with uh, good leads and you know if they don't go right away there's a good chance they come back around it's you know it happens quite a bit for us and you know referrals are huge i mean you know at least there's people out there looking to have us do work for them you know so yeah that's right yeah it's funny how often that actually happens where you think somebody is long gone you know, you send yeah. them a quote, you have a conversation, you're going back and forth for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. And you think, well, yeah. I guess I must've went somewhere else or the whatever. And then all of a sudden, six, eight, ten 10 months later, two years later, three years later, right. all of a sudden you get an email or a phone call. It's like, Hey, it's so-and-so we're, uh, we're ready. And it's like, Holy smokes. Yeah. I thought you were long gone. Those right. are fun. 
if you all get those excuses, you know, the one in particular, you know, family issues or illness, yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, hope all is well, you know, and then come to find out that there actually was something they were so interested in you. And when they come back around, it's fulfilling. That's right. Yeah. So I've got another question from the Instagram live here and it ties in perfectly to my next question I had for you, which is around quoting anyway. So I, this is a perfect time. Uh, it's from Simcoe Dex again. He asks, how do you do quoting? Do you start off low and then add, add in add-ons and upgrades or do you start high and then take away options to bring prices down? Uh, do you use the square foot price and go from there? What's your system? And my question was right along the lines of that anyway. It was kind of, do you use some sort of formula or algorithm or system for quoting your jobs? So what can you tell us about that? Yeah. So basically I use a spreadsheet that I've been using for a long time and I'm constantly modifying it, uh, you know, as times and prices change. Um, but yeah, I mean, typically I do a square millennial footage price, which is kind of how I get most of our product anyway. So, you know, as far as framing, I always know that we're going 12 on center and typically using two by 10 joists and glue lamb beams. Um, I price per footing, which is pretty easy because we've gone exclusively to helical piles. So I, I know approximately what they're going to cost and what I'm going to charge to lay out the footings and make sure everything goes right. Um, but yeah, it's an ongoing process. It's something you want to keep an eye on. And uh, for me, it works out well. It's, you know, I know there's some old school bidders that, you know, like to do the material and take off, oh, sorry, take off on every project. And for me, I just, uh, that's a lot of time to put in on a project that you might not get. Um, so I, you know, I, I, my spreadsheet has worked for us for a while now. And like I said, it's just, it's constantly being modified depending on uh, variations and things like that. So, um, you know, options are always specified on the bottom, you know, whether it's lighting, accent posts, things like that. So basically the initial price is kind of the core price. And then you can add on the curves, the, you know, any other options, inlays, things like that. Um, but that's what's worked for us. So, um, and you know, I've had other people reach out on Instagram and that's how we did it. And, you know, without giving too much away, I kind of just direct them and tell them what works for me. And typically it's, you got to have at least a couple handfuls of jobs under your belt to know what kind of timelines things take and what material costs. And, but, uh, yeah, so I got a spreadsheet where I use, like I said, square footage, lineal footage, things like that. And then just add on from there. Yeah. That sounds almost identical to how I used to do it with fresh taxes. I had my spreadsheet yeah. built out and refined over the years as well. And I had my materials prices inputted so that it would automatically calculate based on the square footages and linear footages and all the mm -hmm. add-ons. Very, very similar for the store. It's you mentioned the old school guys who still do a full takeoff and quote it that way. That's mm -hmm. unfortunately how we're doing things at the store because we're competing against, you know, lumber yards and box stores that give you a full takeoff. And it's usually right. spat out of a computer program somewhere that's ridiculously unreliable, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of what we're forced to do. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's just how that industry happens to work. So unfortunately it's still very manual for us on that side. And it right. does, it takes a ton of time for yeah. jobs you may never get, but it's just how we have to do it. It's a, it's our biggest bottleneck is, is getting those quotes turned around manually in the middle of summer when you've got, you know, 40 people asking for quotes every day for, right. for four months, you know, it's just, it's tough, but we're trying to, trying to put some things in place that'll help us uh, speed that up, make it a bit more efficient. So, 
Um, so you, like, I don't even know if this question is required anymore because you've given so much valuable information here to everybody who's listening so far, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And it's, what would your advice be for someone who's just starting out with their own deck building business or even just their own business in the trade somewhere? If you had to go back and start over yourself, what have you learned that you'd like somebody to know day one and not have to go through the struggles to learn themselves? Well, I mean, I'd say kind of touching back on some of the things we've already talked about. I mean, don't don't just sell any project for work. Um, you know, don't don't tie yourself or limit yourself in that box. Uh, what works for me when we started, uh, I, you know, the first thing I did at, right after I created a name, I got on every social media and created a page. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Howls, I mean, everything, Pinterest. Just get it out there and get your page locked. Start building from there because that helps everything down the line. And, uh, you know, um, right away I reached out to a couple big landscapers who, it's crazy. I don't know if it's the same in other areas, but man, landscapers can sell a deck for so much more than a deck builder. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, Great no, point. I, I tied in with a couple big landscapers, did some work for them, got some good projects on the board, made a decent name for ourselves and kind of just let it spiral from there. I mean, uh, you know, being that, uh, I wasn't new to the industry when I started infinite decks that helped. Um, but you know, having good guys and doing all the easy things like the social media and reaching out to other contractors that you can tie yourself in with, I think was probably the easiest and probably the best thing we did. Um, and then from there, it just gets easier. Um, once you start having more work under your belt, uh, you know, one question I get a lot is like, does our timeline hurt our sales? And honestly, I, I, I get more of a better feedback when I tell our customers we are booked out for six plus months because I think they know that we're wanted, you know, we, we're not going to right. hop on a project in the next couple weeks and, and for good reason. I mean, a lot of our products, like I said, our railing is custom railing that has to be ordered and put together specific for our project. So, I mean, that typically has a three to four week lead time already, not to mention, you know, permitting and things like that and planning and all that. So, um, no, I would say, you know, take your time, start off small and just let it grow organically, really. I think that definitely is a bit of a red flag when somebody's too available, right? <laughs> and, and you're yeah. right, that scarcity of being booked up tells people that, well, if everybody else has trusted this guy and hired him and he's this busy, he must be good. Mm -hmm. That just, that happens in people's minds. So it's definitely not a bad thing. Um, I've got a, somebody mentioned on the live chat here, uh, Curve Your Deck actually said a good business plan. It would be what he would recommend for somebody just starting out. Is that something you had that you find important? Like, what do you mean by a good business plan? Like, what you well, I... I assume he means an, like a formal document that kind of lays out the business and whatnot to like, as opposed to just kind of like a good plan for your business. Do you think it's important to have a, like an actual business plan written out for you to refer back to in following years and kind of track your, you know, your progression and whatnot? 
Is that something that you... Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think, uh, I mean, as you know, Shane, you know, a lot of people in the industry, I think everybody kind of has their own personality and what works for them. I think uh, that would work for a lot of people. For me, um, writing something out is not typically what I do. Um, I kind of just... I, you know, I, I I try not to put myself in a lane to where I gotta meet certain expectations. Obviously, I'm that's my goal, but things don't always go as planned. So, yeah, I mean, as far as a business plan, yeah, I, I have a plan to be a functioning company that builds cool stuff and we're profitable. Um, you know, I think that's that's all I was really after. I, you know. Um, just creating sweet projects and having happy customers and guys that like working for us. It really can be that simple, right? <laughs> just I, just I like do good can, work, yeah. have fun, and don't screw people over, right? Like it can be that simple. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, rule number one, rule number one, don't screw people over. That's right. It's easy. Just don't. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Curve Your Deck, he said, hell no, business plans are for whiners. I'm just kidding, but you'll have to tune in to see what he actually, <laughs> actually said. Uh, yeah, I, I, like when we when I started Fresh Decks, I, I didn't have a business plan. It was a side job for me for a lot of years um, off the side of my desk. I had a full-time job, and when I went to do it full-time, I didn't, I didn't stop and sit down and create a business plan at all. With the Ultimate mm-hmm. Deck Shop, I did put down and create a formal business plan, but that was part and part because we were, we were tossing around the idea of going to investors or, you know, going to banks and whatnot. And, and it was yeah. kind of required, but I'm glad we did one. It did help. I don't know that I would, I think I'm kind of on your side of things. It's like, have a good plan, but it doesn't necessarily need to be written out in a 40 page document. As long as you have some way of kind of tracking to it, tracking and sticking to it. If the plan's good, it's for sure helps to have it written down so you can refer back to it. But yeah, um, yeah it's not a make or break thing for me either, but um, where are we here? So, there was a question I wanted to ask you that I didn't have written down. Oh, you mentioned that you, the first thing you did was get on and create a social media account on every platform that you could think of Facebook, Twitter, house, um, Instagram, obviously. Do you, do you feel like you're doing all of those? Well, I'm assuming that you, I don't follow your other ones as much. I follow you on Facebook. I don't use Twitter a lot myself at all. So I, I don't know how active you are in there, but are you finding that you have one platform you tend to focus on? Or are you, do you have enough time to keep them all updated with original content? Uh, well, one thing nice is they kind of all tie into each other. So um, when I first started uh, Infinite Decks, I mean, Facebook was kind of the go-to. Um, and over the course of a couple of years, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Instagram has become such a platform for the trade community. It's I love it. It's, it's so cool. And it's so cool to see what everybody else is doing and share projects and ideas and, you know, how things are working in different climates. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I said like we're on, we're on Twitter. Uh, it's typically not, we don't really do much with it other than it's tied into our Facebook and Instagram account. Um, we don't really get much from it. I, to be honest, I don't even really check it that much. Um, as far as social media, the more, I mean, I see Instagram's my favorite. And then, you know, Facebook is kind of nice because showing the pictures we do, we have had some leads come in because, you know, people have an old curve deck that they want redone. And it's kind of interesting going back to some, 
15, 20 year old decks that had curves on them and how well they were built. It's crazy. I think some of the older builders are, should come back. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's right. Hey, they're just not on Instagram to show everybody what, what they've done. Right. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, when you're doing the design and sales part, uh, Pinterest comes up a lot. Can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a kitchen and wife brings up her laptop or iPad and pulls up Pinterest with all of her inspiration pictures and things like that. So, you know, it, you know, sometimes I get joked around about, about being on Pinterest, but I mean, for what we're doing, it, it's definitely a good one to be on and be putting pictures on. I mean, if you're the one out there trying to show yourself and sell, because typically it's the wife's or the wife of the house and they're doing the most of the legwork for their projects and things like that. And typically the husband will kind of stand in from time to time just to kind of be a part of it. But typically we're selling to the wife of the household. So I completely agree with you that, and that's one area that I have had on the back of my, on the back burner for a while is getting more active on Pinterest. Cause I agree with you that that platform is for our industry is probably very much underrated by the majority of people, but that's exactly where your customer is. The decision-making customer, she's there. <laughs> so yeah. probably more so than any other platform, but it's the one that we all seem to kind of neglect. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that Instagram community. I am continuously blown away by that community and it's, it's, it's almost become the norm now. So it almost takes moments like this for me to kind of step back and be like, it really is amazing what's happening on there. And funny story, I've been on Instagram for, I'm going to say about three years or so. And maybe a little bit more my first deck expo was back in Chicago, which was, I think was four years ago. And you guys were there and I remember seeing you guys there and I don't know that I was on Instagram yet, or maybe I was super fresh onto it. I don't remember. Um, but I remember seeing, I think you had a crew of guys there. You had three or four or five guys there. I can't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. But I remember seeing your shirts and I was like, wow, look at these guys. Like who the hell are these guys that are walking around here with this crew? Like the, the logo looks amazing. Like they just like these guys are on another level. And I thought that before I ever really knew who you guys were. And I was there solo completely by myself. I wasn't there as part of an Instagram community because I wasn't part of it yet. But I remember mm-hmm. then going back to you know, coming back home, whatever, and later on finding you guys on Instagram and seeing the stuff that you're building. I was like, holy smokes. So you can, you guys were the first ones, I would say from the Instagram community that I was familiar with because I saw you at Deck Expo just walking around Expo and thought you guys were, I thought you guys were intimidating. I was like, these guys are like a big crew here. Like the big deal. (laughs) So here we are years later and and we've developed a pretty good friendship and yeah. So that deck expo was a great show for anybody who hasn't been to it before. I think mm-hmm. for exactly for this, just the camaraderie that's built, um, kind of bringing that Instagram community into the real world and meeting up with people. It's awesome. Now that whole show was put on by, and this is a question I didn't give you beforehand. I'm going to ask it anyway, but that uh, show was put on by a, a group or a organization called NADRA that you guys are a part of, as far as I know, yes. I, I do know that. I don't know why I said that. I know exactly <laughs> that you are. And you've won awards on that in that they've got a deck contest that you guys recently won some awards on, which was amazing. Do you guys find a lot of value out of NADRA? Do you get jobs out of it? What's the value you find from NADRA? Cause I know a lot of people are considering joining or, you know, they're curious about it and help them take the leap, 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, you, me and Wade had talked about it just at Baltimore a couple months ago. Uh, for me, Nadra is a question that I get a lot. Um, Nadra has been around for a long time. Uh, you know, obviously they got their big chapters in Jersey and Atlanta, but they're always something nationwide you get involved with. And as far as the contractor goes, I feel like for was it three three hundred and fifty bucks a year? I think it's kind of minimal for what you get out of it, especially nowadays. I mean, they got guys like Glenn Mathewson on board that are doing a lot of the uh, you know codes and things like that. I actually re- had to recently reach out to Glenn on you know a little code help because I was dealing with a city that was just in the box from like the eighties and just stuck to old codes, and I had to open their eyes to new things that are available and that are possible. Um, but yeah, Nantra's a good community. It's nice to be able to reach out and it's, it's kind of like having a big brother in the industry almost. Um, for us, it's like I said, it's a minimal contribution and it's fun. Uh, the deck expo is huge. Like you were saying, it's, it's because of Instagram, it's almost more of like a meet and greet. I, we don't even really get to do much touring of the show itself is more of just communicating and meeting up with people that you know through Instagram. Um, I would say, in my opinion, it works for us. It, uh, you know, it might not be for everybody, but I, I definitely am a NADRA member and will continue to be one. Um, I think it's, it's fun to be a part of that. It's fun to do the deck expo, whether you're in the deck competition or not, it's fun to see what's going on there and seeing what people are doing across the nation and in Canada. And, uh, it's just, I don't know. I like to stay up on what people are doing and what's the trends nowadays. And NADRA helps with that. Um, they're always available if you got a question regarding the industry. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'd say if you're interested in custom decks and I'd say that's a good place to be a part of for sure. Awesome. Good response. I asked that question and I got uh, Aztec Dex on the live here say, great question. He was really curious about that. So good answer. You'll have to tune in now to hear what the answer was. But <laughs> I'm wondering, are you able, have you ever done a split live on Instagram? Do you know how to do that? No, I don't. You should go on to and follow my live right now and see if you can figure out how to uh, to join my live here and we can split screen for the, for the end of the show here as well. Um, while you're figuring that out, I had a question that went back to the quote thing with Aztec Dex and he said, the selling process, are you giving quotes on the spot or are you emailing a quote later? And I think I probably know the answer given how you're doing them, but go ahead and answer that. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Uh, so basically my process is and the way I explain it to our leads is uh, we'll have an initial deck consultation. I'll meet up with them, kind of get their ideas, get measurements of their house. And then I take that back to the office and then that's where I get to designing and estimating. Um, definitely, you know, if they absolutely have to, I can give them some ballpark numbers, but I, I never quote or bid on the spot. To me, we're not doing the type of decks that can be done like that. Um, so no, yeah, I, I typically email back with a design and estimate within about a week or two, uh, as long as I'm able to get the office time. Um, but I, I try and stay as responsive on that as possible. And um, yeah, you know, I'll email it. And then if I don't hear back right away, then I'll kind of reach back out in a week or so, make sure they got everything and kind of go from there. Um, with as many, like I said, the industry has been so busy here in the past couple of years. 
I, it's kind of hard to stay up on it. And really, there's so much building going on here. Not everybody is looking for an infinite deck. Some people want their deck in a week for their graduation party. And, you know, they're willing to have the next guy that's able to come in. So, you know, typically we try and weed those types of leads out. Um, you can't always though. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, our, our designs and estimates are customer or custom per project. So that's right. Yeah. We can't just do that on the spot and I'm not looking to either. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be a nice world if you could, if you could yeah. flip that over and be done with it right there on the spot, but not realistic for some of these more intricate custom jobs. That's for sure. Well, Shane, I'm sure, you know, obviously you get sticker shock probably about 75% of the time, you know, and yep. you let them digest that and then kind of go over with their spouse on what, what they can spend and things like that. I mean, a lot of the people I meet with don't even have an idea of what a budget should be for a custom deck, you know, and that's, you, that's, that's a great lead to this question, which is out of thin air again, but since we're on the topic, do you force people <laughs> to give you a budget? I know some people can be very apprehensive. They think the contractor's out to take every dime that they have, so they don't want to give you a budget. Do you say like, I need something to go on or I can't do this for you? Yeah. I mean, I try not to be forceful about it because I know there is that stipulation where, you know, they're afraid that, and I, I get the idea, but the way I explain it to them is like, if you give me your budget, that gives me an idea on how much I can put into your budget, not how much I could get out of it. You know, right. um, I'm, I'm not looking to do the easy stuff and things like that. I, I want to make each, and that's why our customers are so excited about it because, uh, you know, we are getting projects and projects with their friends and family. And, you know. There he is. <laughs> now we're live on Instagram as well. So you guys can oh, follow along. Video. <laughs> <laughs> you can go grab a hat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I actually did that. I ran upstairs just before we started. I was like, I might go anywhere today. <laughs> So we're just at the end of this thing, but I thought this would be fun just kind of go on live here and give people a chance to ask some questions, which I think we'll probably do for future interview episodes here as well. Uh, so this is a very timeful, topical uh, time to ask this question, but who we mentioned Instagram community being a big one. Who are your favorite accounts to follow? Who have you gotten the most value out of? Who, are, who do you think people need to be following? Well, I mean, obviously the ultimate deck trap and the Shane Chapman for number one, <laughs> um, you know, uh, Dr. Dex is obviously a huge one. Uh, he's always doing cool stuff. He's very informative. Um, I, you know, it's kind of like the deck builders though. Like I really like to follow like aft construction, uh, a finer touch. They're really good. They do really cool things. He's very informative. Uh, there's a local custom home builder in Minnesota here called John Kramer and Sons. They're always posting cool projects on the lake. Um, there's a ton. It's hard. I, you know, I was trying to prepare for this question, but it, there's just so many to list and I'd hate to leave anybody out. Um, it, I'd say just kind of, you kind of got to look around and see what interests you the most. But for me, it's kind of the more high end builders kind of seeing what they're doing and how they're tying things in. 
Uh, Dak DaVinci's awesome. I love seeing his creations. He's such a great designer and such a cool personality. Um, but there's so many out there. I mean, uh, that, that's just barely scratching the edge right there. But, yeah, there's certainly a ton of great builders out there. And every year, it just compounds. There's so many more. And you're right. I had the same conversation with, uh, with Dustin from Aztec last week. And I was trying to think, like, who are the big accounts that I follow? And it's like, man, it's, there's getting to be so many good ones out there. It's hard to remember them all. It's kind of like doing a thank you speech. You don't want to leave anybody out, but, but there's so many good guys out there, right? I mean, years ago, yeah. I remember kind of if I went back two or three years ago, I could easily name off a top five for me and it included you guys. It was like infinite decks and four quarters design build and doctor decks and, um, you know, California deck pros. And I don't remember who my fifth, my Morris decks would have been my fifth. Those would have been my top five and I could have named yeah. those off easily. And now it's got, it's getting tough, man. There's some good ones out there. Deck South. That guy's unbelievable. Yep. So they do some amazing stuff. There's so many out there that are good nowadays. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so last question for you, Mark, before I let you go here, because I've taken about an hour of your time here. 2019 is right around the corner, like literally 20, well, about 48 hours away. What's the plan for 2019? Is it more of the same? Do you guys have some big goals that you're looking for in 2019? Uh, well, I mean, we got a strong crew right now. We got uh, great projects on the schedule and 2019, I'm looking to just keep pressing up, pressing up. I want to do more cool stuff, do stuff we haven't done before. Uh, you know, just see, see what we can uh, take on. Um, you know, like I said, I got a great crew, uh, looking to see what we can just do and how efficiently we can do it. Um, really looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be another great year. Uh, just like last year, typically in the winter, things slow down, but we're still getting a couple calls a week still. So, I mean, I think that's a good sign that there's going to be plenty of work next year too. So, um, yeah, just looking to still press on and do uh, different things and try different designs and see, see what we could do. Awesome. How's working? I've got this question that I meant to ask. How? What's your average day like on the job site with the guys that you're working with? I envision that you guys have a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's typically a good time. There's a lot of laughing, a lot of ball busting. Uh, I mean, we're cracking jokes on each other constantly. It's it's a lot of fun. It's definitely not work. That's for sure. Uh, we're basically building cool stuff while having fun. It's just like a bunch of buddies hanging out getting stuff done and like I said there's just a lot of ball busting and uh, it, it's a, definitely a good time Stand yeah that's on the other guy the most <laughs> we spent we spent a lot of time with you guys down at Deck Expo there last year and and I know Chris yeah. is quite the character. He was a steal for you, man. When he when he joined Infinite Decks, I think that was probably a great addition. I don't know him on the on a job site, but I know him personally and I know he's got a lot of experience and came from another great builder. Um so I think that was probably a great addition. And now, you know, we got Dan yeah. and I can't remember the other guy's name that you Carter. had down there. Carter, right. So you Carter guys seem to have a pretty pretty good little crew there that uh that seemed like yeah. you have a good rapport no it's a good fit everybody gets along and yeah you just have a good time awesome well for those of you who are not familiar with mark here from infinite decks if you're on instagram make sure you give him a follow his username is at infinite decks and this is one of the best builders out there so if you are at all interested in 
cool deck designs or backyard designs or outdoor living or any of that stuff, give him a follow. It's going to be worth your time. He mentioned you're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They'll have to do a search to find those other ones because I don't know your handles for those. It's but all, for it's Instagram, the it's the board. That's why it was nice. So coming up with the easy early on, and so I was able to do the easy.com and infinite decks across the board. So. Perfect. Do you have anything else you want to throw in here before we shut this thing down here, Mark? Uh, no, it's been a blast chatting with you for the past hour. Can't wait to uh, hang out sometime. You know, yeah, man. We've been, we've been, we've been talking about tasks. this. That's right. <laughs> we've been talking about this for years, how we need to get together somehow. If we need to do like some sort of flip script here and us come down to Minnesota, you guys come up here and, yeah. and get something like that done. We need to actually make that happen. It just about did this year, I think. I know. Just before decades ago, we talked about it all year and it no, fell apart so last minute. It just, it just comes and goes so quick. Oh, it does, man. It sneaks up on you and summer goes by quick. It's almost like we need to plan something more for the spring than the fall. It might be a little bit easier to plan that over the winter, but we'll need to make that happen someday. If anybody hasn't been to Deck Expo and is thinking about it, please do. Uh, Mark and I have become quite good friends mostly through meeting up through deck expo and uh it, this is a story that's repeatable through for a lot of people a lot of people have met guys down there and become good friends and learned a lot from each other so i think it's it's a great thing if nothing else it's worth it just for the community that has happened there so don't be shy come on down uh there's a lot of great people down there so deck expo was a good time mark i can't thank you enough for giving me uh, an hour of your time this morning to get this podcast in here i think this is going to be if i had to guess this is going to be our best listen to podcast so far so i think you've got a lot of great uh, information that you've given us here today and i really appreciate your time so uh without further ado i'm gonna let you go and thanks so much for joining us today mark from infinite decks give him a follow again if you guys have any questions or feedback or other people you'd like to see from the podcast shoot me a message on instagram at the shane chapman account or at the ultimate deck shop account and we'll do our best to get those topics on the show or those people on the show that you want to listen to thanks again mark and for everybody else we'll see you again next week 